Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Give it to me. Give it to me. Hey, I'm Hollywood. And I'm John Merritt. Give it to me. And welcome back to It's a Thing, the podcast where we brilliantly observe the latest and greatest and just over the horizon trends that will arrive any actually it could be trends that are like two to seven years old really but we're gonna talk about them i like to think molly that we exist outside of time and we just sort of survey the vista of trends past present and future and we give them a little oh my god okay that's so amazing that you're saying that right now because i just finished Last night, the Three Body Problem trilogy. <laughs> so your which head, is your head's right in so that space, isn't it? outside of time. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, whoa, dude, are you in my brain right now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I actually just read an article in Scientific American about quantum monism. So that's that's where that came from. Oh, okay. What? <laughs> quantum who now? I I won't bother to explain because I'm not sure I can or am qualified no. to, but. The rough version is it has to do with, like, the universe being observed from outside the universe. Oh, okay. Huh. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that I guess that also happened at the... Oh, oh I can't say. Never mind. No spoilers. <laughs> yeah, you I know, catch up. Interestingly... So, wait, have you not read all three? Only read the first one. Okay, so, funny story. Even though technically... This was not going to be my thing for today. It's a it's a little mini thing because apparently the three body problem is a thing among a certain group of nerds. And part of the reason, well, just people, part of the reason for that is that Barack Obama read it, read the whole trilogy and talked with, you know, that New York Times book critic, the really, really well-known one, Michiko Kakutani. She like retired and there was a whole parade in the streets. Like she was, you know, she was the ultimate authority on books. And she had this whole long conversation with Obama about books that really uh, like formed him, were formative for him as a young man. And one of them was The Three Body Problem. As a young man? What? Which made me really quite, I was like, really? Because it just got translated not that long ago. I know. It so I think ring, he was the conversation must have ranged around. Oh, I see. The impact that books have had on him throughout his lifetime. It, so he talks it. about books that he read when he was pretty young. And then <laughs> unless, they unless he was trying to say, I time traveled <laughs> to Right. Yeah. I time traveled to this thing. But yes, yeah, so he talked all about it. And so then it became like a Reddit thread. Mm. And I think that then there were a whole bunch of people who went and read it. And part of the reason because I only read it because it was suggested to me on Twitter, like, oh, you would probably like this book. And then it just became this whole, this whole thing. We we read it on Sword and Laser, but I don't remember how it came to us. I know we were familiar with Ken Liu, who did the translation, and I feel like that's how it was. 
but it was a mm. couple of years ago before it really took off. But now I'm wondering, did someone read that article and then tell us on Goodreads, you should read this because I heard about it in this article. It's quite possible that that was it too. But it was I'm, one of those things where it yeah. was the only one translated at the time that we read it. So I couldn't read the second one. Then the second one came out. And by the time the second one came out, I was like, well, I'm reading this other thing. I got to, you know, make time for that later. And I, I still got to do that. Oh, yeah. You re- you know what? You really have to because, well, I mean, I've now obviously spent the last like two months or so just completely immersed in this trilogy. But I want you to know that I have now started A Brief History of Time because I'm like, OK, I feel like I'm finally ready to I'm like qualified now to read some Stephen Hawking because I read the three body problem. I'm up on my physics enough yeah, that I'll be able to keep up. Yeah, you can go re- read some. uh Surely you're joking, Mr. Feynman. You can read some Hawking. You can just dive into some Mishu Kaku. <laughs> you know. I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> Stephen Hawking, yes. Anyway, I wonder because it was around 2017 that that happened, the Obama interview. Yeah, that's probably it. I can't imagine that. You know, we may not have realized that's why the person was recommending it to us, but I, I totally. It's got. I had no idea either until somebody was like, "Oh yeah, people are all into that book because Obama read it." I'm like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Anyway, he must be really smart. Well, that's a thing. The, yeah, the that's a thing. Problem. That's a total thing. I know. It's, an Uber thing. it's a total thing. It's an um, overarching Uber thing. I want to do a thing check-in. This is actually why I, I made the comment about being outside of time, because <laughs> I don't think this is a thing per se that's new, right? It's not like, oh, I just noticed this. But honestly, with the sad news of Luke Perry dying. Oh, Yeah. Uh, a lot of my friends started talking about their memories of 90210. And I started to realize there were people who hadn't discovered 90210 yet. Wow. There were, there were young right. people who were like, wait, the Riverdale guy, he was in a thing in the 90s? <laughs> like, right. whoa. Um, and so I was like, we need to check back in on the state of 90s nostalgia. Like, we, we've definitely in the heart of 80s nostalgia, right? That's been going on for years. Stranger Things, et cetera. Uh, but 90s nostalgia has kind of been simmering with friends being popular on Netflix, especially with millennials looking at it through Rose. You know, we've talked about that before. But, yeah. But it's obviously not complete because not everybody has rediscovered 90210, which I think would be one of the top 90s nostalgia plays. I would think so. But that is really interesting that so much 90s nostalgia has been about sitcoms mostly. And then a little bit about style. But yeah, you would think so when they talk about it. So, okay, I'm looking at this Vanity Fair piece. And Beverly Hills 902 is definitely, 90210 is definitely in there when they talk about this 90s nostalgia craze. But it's kind of in the middle of the list after like, obviously, Friends, Seinfeld, Felicity, Dawson's Creek, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The X-Files, you know, and then it sort of eventually shows up. Sarah Lane, the huh. host on DTNS, was the one who ran, who had actual friends who were ten years younger than her, going, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know that show. I don't really know that show. Aww. I think I've heard of it." Yeah, I was like, "Wow." That's, yeah, that's crazy. So, I, I get your like '90s nostalgia act together, would you? Yet to get to peak '90s nostalgia. Yeah, if they have not come around to that show, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. And I'm not seeing a resurgence in Buffy, so clearly we have a ways to go. There is a there is a reboot being developed so maybe mm-hmm. once that finally releases that will be the clarion call that will be the uh, i don't know if that's ever gonna go anywhere well, it might not ever get released either, 
So. There was a lot of rage about that. A lot. Well, I mean, that's also saying there were people alive and breathing and reading news, right? Like, you can't say you're doing anything without getting people upset. It's whether you can weather the storm, right? Bohemian Rhapsody. People were upset, but they weathered the storm. I don't know. If yeah, I think... I think the main reason that people were upset, honestly, is because Joss Whedon was sort of revealed to be, unfortunately, a dirtbag. And then oh, it was like, you don't get yeah, to no, you don't get to uh-huh. rehabilitate yourself on the back of Buffy. That's the uh, like that, that's the backstory. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So I was one of those that was I, like, no, I think, nope. I think the re- and I think the reason the Bohemian Rhapsody weathered the storm is because a lot of people jumped to conclusions based on the trailer that ended up not being true. Right. They were like you're 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 uh, totally whitewashing. Well, whitewashing is the right word, uh, but you're you're playing down the aspect of Freddie Mercury's sexuality, and the film doesn't play it down. You can you can definitely make criticisms of how it treats his sexuality, but it doesn't ignore mm. it. And I think a lot of people thought from the trailer it was going to ignore it. Right. They were like, oh, it's going to be this cisgender love affair right, between him right. and the yeah, exactly. When in fact it was, I thought a pretty nuanced treatment of the I thought, I thought it did the great good. love, but that wasn't enough. Yeah, I don't, it was fine. Plus, it's just a really big Queen concert. Like, get over it, people. Not really. I mean, it, it really is just a big music video. That's, you know, if you go in with that, feel, you're going to enjoy it. If you, if you expect, yeah. like, an Oscar-winning movie, you're not going to get it. Then maybe not so much. Yeah, I wonder. I am very curious now to know whether 90s nostalgia, which really has been kind of a craze for several years now, but if it's going to get, if it's going to go that deep, I don't know. It is really interesting. But I, I the the... Vanity Fair article I found is from 2014. Like all the a decade nostalgia goes through the same ebbs and flows, but some are stronger than others. Right. I, I definitely feel like 50s nostalgia was much stronger than even 60s and definitely 70s. Does, does like nostalgia 80s nostalgia because it's awesome? <laughs> is there? Even though I say that, but I am definitely on the weird. I'm a cusp, uh-huh. a cusper. Like, I was not fully an 80s kid and not fully a 90s kid because I just sort of, like, my formative years crossed them. I 80s kid, and I don't find it that exciting. I'll be honest. I look at all this. Oh. Music was "Eh." bad. I mean, I liked it then, but. (laughs) What would the, but, like, when, by this Venn diagram, will we get around to year 2000 nostalgia and right. what's no. even going to go in there right do you call it the o's thoughts how are the they gonna, odds you know how are they going to refer we never solved that problem during the 2000s uh uh-uh. i think they're just gonna have to stop at 90s nostalgia no, like that'll be, be it and start I, all over 20s drive. nostalgia so you can have ipods and dot coms and you know oh true there's stuff that's a good one yeah I was going to say, is there going to be any like 1920s nostalgia? Like, we'll just go, we'll just go all the way back. Just do some big loop because it's too awkward to try to deal with 2000. <laughs> out. Forget it. We're just, we're just like, no, go back. We're going no all can do. The way back. I would love that. That'd be great. That would be hilarious. So I feel like I may have mentioned this in a previous episode, but I can't remember. And I want to expand upon it. Um, I... It, it, this is a little bit of a crossover thing, but I recently discovered that the reason... Okay, well, let me just simplify. One, Weezer is a thing. Like, it's, Weezer, it's the band. Yeah, like, 
forget 90s nostalgia or whatever, Weezer itself, separate from any other consideration, is a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm not like 100% sure why, mm-hmm. but it sort of is. And, and here it is. And then Weezer has been enough of a thing that at some point there was an internet, and this is what I had not realized until somewhat recently, that the reason that Weezer remade Africa, mm-hmm. that song by Toto, is because of an internet campaign started by like some 14 year old, like a, like a tweet, some kid on Twitter, on Twitter, some kid on, on the tweeters going after Weezer. (laughs) Was there was this whole, please retweet if you want to help make Ohio teen Weezer Africa, simple, wholesome dream come true of seeing rock band Weezer cover Africa by Toto. So if we're doing the the meme detection, you know, the knowyourmeme.com people, uh, we yeah. have to dig down to find out where did the Africa meme come from. Right, like because, why that? Because then that feeds into the teen who makes the campaign, which then meets like, like two rivers colliding, the Weezer <laughs> trend, and then explodes with Weezer covering it. <laughs> exactly. And so there's like, oh, wow, it is so recursive meme tracing. Um, but yeah, then apparently it, they, they did at some point, like this Twitter campaign went on for a pretty long time. There's a whole piece about it that I had open in one tab and I'm trying to find again. That was basically like, I'm, I'm sorry. I did that. That was, that was my fault. Like (laughs) I'm the person who made it blow up online and caused this insane Weezer thing to occur. And I would like to apologize because it's now insane, but it's so weird I don't know. And it just felt like good. It's a thing trivia. Like, What's funny is we were talking in our pre and post show on DTNS about Africa before the Weezer thing happened. And I'm guessing we were either subconsciously or certainly I subconsciously, maybe my, my co-host not so much, um, we're tapping into the, the Africa song meme that had started right. to kick around. Because when Weezer recovered it, we were like, what the? We were just talking about that a couple of weeks ago. That's crazy. Yeah, why? I wonder. Okay, so that song, Africa, became a thing. Now, I know that one reason that that song, Africa, had a resurgence is because um, that Kristen Bell and her husband did that hilarious video. Um, They did a, they did like, because they're so freaking cute. Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell did their own music video to that song with like lip syncing and dramatic safari shots while they were on vacation. That's and how it got in our I feel like that probably started it up because it was the, well, they were on uh, vacation in Africa. In Africa. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. And they were like on safari. And so go. they did this cute music video seems and lip sync to it. Seems likely that could, you could trace that. I think you totally could. So that was 2016. Yeah, this is all, it's all starting to line up. How it got around to Weezer, I will never know. But now it's this fascinating double thing. Yeah, how Weezer became a thing before the Africa Weezer thing. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, uh, that's that's <laughs> for someone with more time and ex- expertise than I've got. It's too deep. It's, and I like to call that our audience. Yes, Hello, friends. Please. For sure. <laughs> Help us out. If you know, please email us at feedback uh, at it's a thing dot me. Yeah. Uh, do, uh, apologies if anybody was popping into the discord uh, to listen to this episode record. Uh, I'm on the road, uh, so I don't have my normal rig to do that. 
Uh, but we will, once I'm back in the in the saddle at home, uh, continue to do that. And if you didn't know we did that, hey, if you're a patron, you can hook up Discord to patreon.com slash it's a thing. And often, most of the time, listen to us record the show. Yep. Boom. And also, I want to apologize for being sick last week. Or, oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry you were sick, but I I thought Rich's idea of running an old it's a thing as a as a sort of a flashback was pretty cool. So smart. Yeah. I know it is really it's pretty funny because God, it was so long ago. <laughs> so long ago. Uh, All right, my what else other you got? Thing is photography. F A U X T O G R A P C H Y. Uh, okay. The Verge's um, Vlad Savov had an article uh, early February about the idea of photography and how it has gone from meaning, oh, somebody's manipulating images to try to pass them off as real. Uh, somebody is uh, innocuous Photoshop, chop jobs, blah, 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 blah. It has gone from that to being something your phone does that you might have a hard time turning off, right? If you like really seriously like, no, I just want to take the photo without any AI or processing or studio stuff. Like it's getting harder and harder and harder to just, if you're using your phone anyway, to just take a photo. Huh. You're totally right. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like the thing where it makes you look prettier, right? There was that weird like iPhone camera gate. Where it was a filter that was making the, you look prettier, Smooth huh? Your skin and... Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, so photo- photography, of course. I'm, you know, it's a pun. I can't resist uh, uh, spelling yo y a u x for years. Uh, that I think is an interesting way of talking about photoshopped and fake photos. We've had that forever, though. Uh, it's right. just been getting. It's just been done in different ways. But the idea that it's now creeping into your your own photography and since so many people use their phones for photography now the idea that your camera isn't really representing reality and and do you mind Uh, do you care and do you mind yeah Yeah. i you know it's funny i wonder about that sometimes when i'm about to apply a filter to a photo it's sort of like is this real like you have this sort of existential moment Mm -hmm. where you're like am i actually misrepresenting this moment like am i misrepresenting this memory or and it's not like there's such, you know, compelling historical documents. It's just like a picture of my Uggs sticking out under a blanket with the dog there or whatever. But you start to, I don't know, like do I do sometimes take a pause and think, am I cheating here a little bit by making this photo look better than real life? But isn't that what we've always done? Well, I mean, on the on one side of the argument, you don't, you don't ever represent reality with a photo, right? Yeah. It's not actually what you see. It's always something wrong. The colors are a little different. You don't have depth, right? It's a, it's two dimensional. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so you can make, you know, the argument that like, well, a photo is never real anyway, but there is sort of a built in interpretation that translates. Oh, that's what photos do. So I know that, well, the sky doesn't really look that blue, but that's roughly what happened versus, Oh, but when I look at this person in the photo and I look at them in real life, they don't look the same. <laughs> right, not totally. the same person. <laughs> so there is definitely the question about what in your life is or is not a lie. Yeah. There's that. I, I would imagine it's changed the dating scene quite dramatically. Like, oh, you don't look like that at all. 
Well, and 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 there's there's literacy for that, right? I assume uh, that that at a certain point you realize, oh, the photos I see on the dating app are never going to quite match up, and if they do, that's points to the person who submitted a realistic <laughs> photo of themselves. Then bravo, yeah, that's true. Have you? Did you? This reminds me actually of this. Um, I've read a couple stories about and seen, which is so amazing colorizing this sort of controversial practice of colorizing old photos, like photos that were taken in black and white and just recolorizing them and how jarring and startling that is. Like it makes everything look so much more real. Like you're, you can look at these old photos and be like, those aren't real people. This doesn't make that much sense. But when you colorize them and then you look at something that's, you know, I found an old piece from Gizmodo from like 2014 and it's got a recolorized photo of the Golden Gate Bridge with all these old 1950s cars on it and you're like oh that's what life looked like yeah yeah like these photos are so not they don't represent like life was still in color right right and it's fascinating because I remember asking my dad one time uh I'm like, what was it like in the 40s? You know, one of those kind of questions. What was it like in the 40s? And this was probably when I was in my 20s. And I was reading all these 1940s Life magazines and listening to 40s music and just really getting into the history and the vibe of that era. And I was like, you know, what what did you feel? What was it? And he's like, I didn't feel any different. He's like, hmm. I, he's like, it, it, everything just felt normal. Like, we had cars and, you know, you <laughs> and food and <laughs> totally like, and like, they were in color and he he tried to explain it. he's like he's like i know things are different like we didn't have vcrs and you know television was rare and not in color he's like but it didn't feel different he's like i don't look around today and go wow you know i i used to live in the 40s he's like it just changes so gradually that you don't notice it and it felt he's like it felt normal and i he's like i have to think about it to think about it differently and that mm -hmm. made me realize, like, oh, because I wasn't there, I can see all the difference. And, it, mm -hmm. and, it, and, and I'm forced to see that. What you're saying is I'm forced to see the difference because I'm only seeing it represented in these flat, two-dimensional black and white photos. Right. Whereas if that gets a little closer to reality, it starts to look more real and gets closer to what my dad was saying. Like, yeah, just, it just looks like life. It doesn't, doesn't look that different. Totally. And so then what's that going to mean? when the historical record 20 years from now or 30 years from now and everybody's having like a 2019 style nostalgia 19s nostalgia teens, yeah yeah then and they look back at all these photos and they go like well that's not like that's not what life looked like it's going to be almost you can imagine that we would get to the point with filtering in photography where it would be as inaccurate a representation of the past as black and white photography. That's so freaky. Right. And people will try to like unfilter historical right. photographs. Oh, because they'll have machine learning. Oh, they totally <laughs> will. Take the same filters and look at the world around them now and learn like, oh, this is the difference. Let me take those old photos and unfilter them. That's crazy. Dude, totally. Oh my God. So weird. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, my thing is very pedestrian by comparison. My last other thing, thing. my last thing, which is that I was recently in LA. And so I'd be curious to know whether you've noticed this as well. And I noticed 
that the olive drab military jacket is such a thing that at one point, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but I'm just saying at one point I was in an office where I may or may not work and there was, there were like four desks lined up next to each other filled with younger workers uh-huh. and every one of them had this jacket on or some version of the olive drab military jacket. Yeah, were and you Across women and men or just yeah. yeah. Nope. Okay. Okay. Across, yeah. Uh-huh. Like everyone was wearing one. And I was like, what, what is the deal here? Because, and I see it all over and it looks really cool. And I'm always like, I want to buy that. But the thing is that when I go and duck, duck, go for information about it, I like can't find anything. There's not a, there's not a current article about the olive drab jacket trend. There is a piece in the New Yorker on how uh, civilians are embracing military fashion, including quote, war core. So that's kind of weird and upsetting, but even none of the, but none of that is the, the olive drab jacket either. First of all, I would say you should not have minimized this. This is pure thing, right? <laughs> this is like yes. core thing. <laughs> yes. Have you seen it? Have you seen it around LA? Is everybody wearing the thing? I, <gasps> I have not seen four in a row like that. That's the, uh, There's got to be a name for that. Like That was hysterical. hysterical. Yeah, it was like Inception or so. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first thing that makes me think of in when you put it in this perspective is that quote from stripes an 80s movie which makes oh look at you the quote from stripes where bill Murray's character is talking about wearing the military stuff right because he's been, he's joined the army and he's like chicks in new york are paying top dollar for this stuff and really like, back then military was coming into like a, a fashionable trend in the mm-hmm. 80s I wonder if there's some tie in there, if it's 80s nostalgia sort of subcurrent is pulling that along. Is it a reaction to sort of the winding down of of unpopular wars that happened in both eras? Mm. I'm not saying which of these things or none of them or both of them, but it makes me think, like, what are the parallels between those two time periods? I wonder, yeah, when is it, when does it become, and is it a period of relative distance? Mm-hmm. Also, you know, the um, the khaki military jacket did become a thing again in the 90s, right into 2000. I'm looking at it now, khaki military jacket. Or is it a, a, a virtue of our relevant, relative distance from active Yes, we're still at war in this country, but like we don't think so, most people. Um, but yeah, I wonder. It's a total. And then I almost wonder because you know when it sprang into the consciousness again. This is horrible. But remember when Melania Trump went and wore that jacket? Where did she go? She went to the border. Yeah. She right. went to the U.S.-Mexico border and she had a khaki military jacket that on the back said, "I don't really care. Do you?" And then that was like crazy and weird, but also it was a really cool jacket, like in the front. Well, and I wonder if that kicked off a new thing. Meghan Markle, J. Crew has one, the field jacket, like what and if, Meghan Markle just wore one the other day. Like, did she end up causing? Uh, did did she end up causing that to go into the consciousness? Right, not that people are actively like, I'm going to go now and wear jackets too. Yeah. 
just sort of like everyone saw that image and it just sometimes that stuff just kicks around in your brain and you don't even realize it later when it comes back out and you're like oh military jacket that, that's cool right like i know i wonder um, did she incept it there was a uh, recent interview on Justin Robert Young's Politics, Politics, Politics podcast with Joellen Posner of the Levy School of Business at Santa Clara University, where they were breaking down fashion and politics. And they talk about Melania's I don't really care coat and, yeah. and what she thought of it and what she thought it meant. And given that Melania definitely understands fashion, right? Mm-hmm. But she uses it in a different way. In a in a kind of an I don't care way was I I think the the point she was trying to make there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a fascinating interview. First of all, you should go listen to that. Uh, yeah, but, definitely. But I could see where that could have the unintended side effect of just right of know. like jump starting again the kind of khaki military traffic trend that and that the khaki military jacket. Now that I have the search terms correct. I mean, that is a persistent, that's a classic look, if you will, right? It comes and goes. You're talking about it. It's sort of a perennial, right? It just. It is a perennial. It just mutates a little bit here and there, but it never goes away, I guess. But it is like really in right now. And I'm not really sure why, but there it is, the the khaki field jacket. And sure enough, I feel definitely vindicated by finding a photo from just last week of Meghan Markle wearing the J. Crew field jacket edition khaki military jacket boom yeah, it's was, a thing there was uh, nailed it <laughs> there was uh, <laughs> she, on that interview she was pointing out that kate uh of of uh william and kate uh the uh, mm-hmm. what is she the duchess of cambridge is that right? um sure sure uh she always wears something appropriate to where she's visiting right so if she's in canada she might wear red uh in you know like the canadian flag oh. She'll yeah. always choose designers from the from the region she's visiting, uh, and it's this very subtle, like calculated uh, commentary, you know, that says, "Hey, I'm I'm on your side. I'm with you. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to respect the culture I'm visiting." That it's weird how fashion. Well, it's very interesting that you say that because now I'm realizing <laughs> that that particular behavior has also become a thing. Like in the last year or so, I feel like there have been multiple or maybe two years, like lots of instances of that. For Like, for example, when all the women wore black to the Oscars for Me Too. And then all the all the women, the new women joining Congress who've been wearing white to commemorate, you know, suffrage. Right, right. And I do feel like maybe that's becoming a little more like it's common. It's like, yeah. Like it's being elevated, yes, as an art form, like a sartorial art form. Right, right. Mm. More intentionality behind it. We've got a sub thing. Ah. Dang. This is the brilliance of doing the show. And this I'm not is why. To congratulate ourselves when I say that. I mean, it's the fun of doing this show. It it's why it's so fun. Exactly. Yeah. It's why we always want to. <laughs> oh, and I would like to say I just found a Forbes article on how indeed the utility trend is quote everywhere for the upcoming season. The utility trend. And that, that yep. the, the military inspired right. khaki that, yeah. pants, mm-hmm. the jackets. Oh my God. Well, there you go, totally folks. a thing. Now you know Boom. what to dress in. Now you know what to wear. <laughs> you know what to, you know what like uh funny cultural things to talk about. This may you know what book to read thing of the day. This was 
This was a very thingy episode, yeah. too. I really, oh, yeah. I am delighted. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, hey, shout out to all of you who support the show. Thank you so much for being patrons. If you aren't already, you can find us at patreon.com slash it's a thing. Um, and, and if you can figure out how to connect your Patreon to your Discord, A, you'll be a genius on the level of Stephen Hawking. And B, you'll be able to... <laughs> It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Tom often tweets a how-to. Um, you will be able to join us in the live chat uh, where we post the links to all of these things in real time as I as we search them up on the internet. Yeah. So it's, it's I think fun. it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks you definitely want to do that. Patreon.com slash it's a thing uh, if you'd like to support the show direct, directly. And even just at the dollar level, you get a, an ad-free version uh, of the show. If you're like, I didn't know there were ads, they, they might show up from time to time. You just mm-hmm. don't know. But you won't get them if you're a patron. Uh, and there's also other some kinds of perks in there as well. So go check it out. Patreon.com slash it's a thing. And email us, like we said, feedback at it's a thing dot me. Or, or, of course, feel free to tweet us. I'm at Molly Wood and he's at Ace Detect. You, you, know, where, you know where we are. You, can find you know how to find us on the Twitter. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining, uh, joining us and uh, enjoy the rest of your week of It's a Thing, which will be, in my case and all of you who are not Tom, South by Southwest FOMO. Here uh, it comes. Have some JOMO. <laughs> it's not that fun. <laughs> thanks, man. See you next week. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.